The Bible said, let us therefore come boldly because we have a high priest that is touched with the feeling of our infirmities who was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin because he understands us and he understands our weaknesses and our fallibilities and he understands that that uh, the the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and he takes that into consideration and offers us mercy and grace to help sometimes we just zero in on grace but without it is mercy that allows grace to be granted it is mercy that allows grace to flow. Uh, to put this in terms that are not so highly theological that we can't really get it, make it kind of logical today. Mercy, in mercy, you don't get what you do deserve. You deserve judgment. You deserve justice. But mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. So in mercy, you don't get what you do deserve. That's why they wrote the song, It Should Have Been Me on That Cross. I'm the one that deserved the punishment, not the innocent one. So in mercy, you don't get what you do deserve. But in grace, are you ready for this? Anybody wear your shouting shoes today? If you didn't wear them, how many could shout barefooted and just kick them off and shout that way without your shouting shoes on? I'm going to say it again. In mercy, you don't get what you do deserve. And in grace, you do get (laughs) what you don't deserve. The forgiveness. So the scripture said, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Hallelujah. How can we come boldly? Because he is the one that said, come unto me. He gave the invitation, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. That's peace with a capital P. Can you say amen? God is good today. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, turn with me. I'm going to continue the Christmas message. Because for Christians, Christmas is an ongoing thing. Just like Thanksgiving, it's an ongoing thing. And everything give thanks. That's not a once a year event. And it's not just for Christians. Uh, Everyone should be filled with gratitude to God for all his goodness to this nation and to everyone who trusts in him. Listen to this carefully. Matthew chapter 18 and verse uh, 18 through verse 20. This is important stuff today. God in the midst opens all the doors to his blessings and his benefits. And there is a consciousness of God not just being for us. Because if he was for us, but he wasn't with us, we couldn't enjoy these blessings. Amen. If he stayed aloof sitting on his throne in heaven, He couldn't help us up close and personal like he offers to do because he is with us. And he is with us because he is within us. As I read this, I often quote this scripture, portions of it, because there's so few of us in number in this room. 
And this scripture is going to say that where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I. Where? Let's locate him. Let's locate him. If you got him sitting eons away in some distant planet or place called heaven, then you can't enjoy that close, intimate fellowship with him. So let's locate him today. Number one, he's in this room right now. Christ is in this room. You say, Brother Venable, I don't see him. Of course you don't see him. Amen. He's not here in a physical form. But spiritually, Christ is in this room. Let's locate him. He's here. So when we worship, we're not trying to get our praise, uh, you know, past the planets and, and all the heavenly bodies. You don't have to pray so hard you get it past Pluto. If you're trying to get your prayer past Pluto, then you're praying a Mickey Mouse prayer. It's a prayer without understanding. You're praying to a distant God sitting aloof in his heaven. And he's not a distant God sitting aloof in his heaven. Where two or more gathered together in my name. How many came here in the name of Robert Venable today? I hope nobody. Boy, are you going to be disappointed. I remember when the president of the United States, I forget which president, I think it was back during during Kennedy's uh, term as president, there is a church where some presidents would go because it's easy to have the security there and, and really heads of state and senators attended that church in Washington. And so this particular time it was announced that the president was going to be in the service that morning you know how the things get out it's supposed to be secret but things get out well when people heard that the president was going to be in that church people came they ran out of seats they ran out of parking because this you know the president of the united states is going to be in that church today i'm going to that church and see the president And say, I had church with the president. I don't think it was Kennedy because he was Catholic and this was a Protestant church. It must have been Reagan. Anyway, it's one of those guys. President of the United States. So the pastor came out and saw his church filled to the brim with people standing up all around it. And he said, everybody that came today, because he canceled for some unknown reason something came up and he couldn't be there at the last minute and the pastor looked at that disappointed looking crowd when he said the i want to make an announcement up front before we begin to worship the president will not be here today he was going to be here you heard it right but he cannot attend today and of course he saw the faces just droop and he said all of you that came to see the president of the United States, you might have well to go on home right now. He's not coming. But all you that came here to worship Jesus, <laughs> we're getting ready to have a worship service and praise him. Hallelujah. Well, I'm sure some people did ease on out because they surely didn't come. If they didn't come to praise Jesus, they came to see the president. And he's not coming and there's no purpose. You see, God is not aloof in his heaven. Where two or more gather together, let's locate him today. God in the midst, you have to locate where he is. You're going to feel sometimes like heaven is brass and God is so far away. 
And you're going to feel like God is so far away, probably when you need to sense him the most. Because when your emotions are raw and they are stimulated by by some terrible event, it's hard to be spiritually conscious of the presence of God because all of your energy of your emotions are kicking in. God in the midst is an important, important message. It's not just Emmanuel, God with us, God come in flesh, but God within us. God with us and God within us. We need to locate God today. And if you have God sitting high in his heaven, aloof and distant, you have not located God biblically, scripturally, and you can't therefore spiritually locate him. That's why someone said you need to, you need to, you need to pray when you don't feel like praying. Because if you locate where God is, he is, he is here. Where two or more are gathered together in my name, there am I, there am I, there am I, in the midst of them. That means God is in this room today if you came here in the name of Jesus. God is here. I love that song. We don't have it queued up, but there's a song written not too many years ago called God is Here, His Wonders to Perform. And beyond him doing his wonders and manifesting himself in terms of answered prayer and miracles, God is here to comfort you and to counsel you and to draw near you. Listen, listen to what the scripture says in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 18 and verse 18 through 20. Jesus speaking, red letter, King James. I'm, I'm going to be speaking today from the Living Bible. The King James Version. Can you say amen? And there's all kinds of others, and I bring them in to help. But this is my study Bible. Verily I say unto you, that means surely God wants us to get it. Verily, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Everybody say spiritual authority. One translation that I really like because... If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's not trying to get your way through faith. It's trying to discover and obey his will. It's part of the pattern prayer for every prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, but they really said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Here we go. Here we go into the will of God. This place where you can discover the will of God. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to what Jesus is saying. What you, if you discover the will of God, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. God is going to back you up. God is going to bring things to pass. He's not in our midst to give us goose pimples. Now, I don't know about you, but when he manifests his presence, I sense him. I feel him. I've had the hair on my arms stand up. Charles has saw his wife shouting and, and wondered, what in the world is wrong with the woman? Can you say amen? But now Charles knows Jesus, and he's beginning to get a glimpse 
of what's wrong with the woman is really right with the woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Didn't we have a Shirley Wright that used to come here? Her name was Shirley Wright. I used to tell her all the time she married Mr. Wright. But anyway, she really, really did. Well, you married Mrs. Wright, Miss Ms. Wright, and made her Mrs. Wright a help meet for you. Where two or more are gathered in my name. He's saying, verily, I want you to get this. What you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. One translation says, what we bind on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Because if it isn't loosed in heaven, you can't manipulate God through faith or your spiritual. You have no spiritual authority outside the will of God. Everything works within the will of God. And when you, before you start believing him, you need to bow before him. So much of the scripture is the revealed will of God. That if we find a scripture, we can pray in concert with that scripture and know we're praying in the will of God. And in essence, executing spiritual authority. This is called the keys to the kingdom of God. What you bind. See, this is locking and this is unlocking. I bound every hindering spirit today. I didn't just pray God show up because he promised to be here. I didn't have to spend time asking God to come. He said, when you come together in my name, there am I. I wouldn't miss it for anything. But what you bind. Sometimes we need to bind some things down here. We need to lock some things up. We need to utilize what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And what you loose upon the earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is the operation of spiritual authority. And it's based on God in the midst for a purpose, not just in the midst to let us sense his presence. You need to locate him. Laying in the back of an ambulance on the way to the hospital after a bad stroke eight years ago. Well, 60, 65 years old when it occurred. I'm 73 next month. Just thought I'd... Uh, drop that little thing in case you were pricing escalades for me. And, uh, you know, I see a man back there can relate. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't park, you know, I couldn't park a new Cadillac in, 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 in Walmart parking lot without posting a guard. <laughs> I would have to get me a bad dog. And my man, all I have to do is push a button and that thing would park itself. Lord have mercy. My head would swell so big I couldn't get it out the door. I'd be in big trouble then. Amen. This church has been good to me, and I'm driving a, a vehicle that gets me there. And, and uh, you, you may not say it's so classy. I like my little Equinox. Amen. My wife's, my wife's ride, big fold down in the back. She can put a lot of stuff in there. Just loads of stuff in there. You go on vacation, we put stuff in there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. We need to locate God. You'd think we, we, we would as Christians. And so many times we go by what the circumstances dictate. If God loved me, he wouldn't let this happen to me. If, if God loved me, that wouldn't occur. Where is God when this is going on? Where is God when that is occurring? Why couldn't I feel God? 
like I feel him sometimes in a worship service when I was so emotionally distraught. It's because you were so emotionally distraught. Amen. And in that, that ultra sensitivity of our emotion, we can't locate God. And therefore we feel like he's not there. Jesus was forsaken on the cross because he didn't die as the son of God with some supernatural something on him. He died like a sinner forsaken of God. One of the cries from the cross to his father, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which interpreted is, my God, Eloi, my God, Eloi, lama sabachthani, why, 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 why hast thou forsaken me? He, d- he didn't really want God to take him off the cross because he came here to go to the cross. When Peter tried to defend him, he said, if my kingdom were of this world, I would call the armies of heaven to deliver me. When he committed himself to the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane, it wasn't a cakewalk. It was tough. The Bible said his soul was sorrowful even unto death. The stress on him in Gethsemane was so intense that his sweat looked like great drops of blood. The sweat glands and the capillaries under the skin, under intense pressure due to stress, they, the blood mingled with the sweat and the drops of sweat now was reddened crimson. And so it looked like he was sweating blood when in essence it was occurring in the garden of Gethsemane. If there's any other way, if there's another way to save man, I don't want to do this. Now I want you to understand something today from the scripture. It's real important to me. It was the pain. I see what they did to him. And when I think of the pain and I'm not talking about just the six hours nailed to a cross, I'm talking about how bad they beat him before they put him on the cross. His visage marred more than any man's. That's why when we saw him, it was sickening. We have, and we should, I'm not saying we should make it look like it really was. It would be too repulsive and children would not understand nor appreciate what they were seeing. But, the sanitized view of Jesus with the little red dot in his hands and feet and a little red slash on his side in no way represents what happened to him. When he acquiesced to the will of God and and said, not my will, but thine be done. Nevertheless, I think of the pain. I think of the pain when they beat him, they blindfolded him. They, they took a stick and they beat him about the head and face with that stick. And, and they, they, they plucked out his beard. They literally tore it out by the roots. 
They smote him in the Hebrew, I mean, in the Greek, it, it calls it the clenched fist. They didn't slap him. They hit him full force. These were hardened men, soldiers. And to add to his suffering, they took a crown of thorns. They had them for sale and you couldn't handle them because you couldn't help but getting your hand injured, your finger pricked. The thorns that they were talking about were not thorns that are on roses. They were two inches hard. Yes. And they stuck it down on his head and it tore in the flesh. That's why you bleed so much. The, the, everything is so close to the skin here. And the blood poured down his face, his bruised and swollen face, his visage marred more than any man's. That's why we, he must have done something terribly, terribly wrong for God to punish him like this. Yet he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was laid on him. All we, all we, what the New Testament say, there is none righteous. No, not one. And when we present our righteousness, he said, your righteousness at your best is as a filthy rag in the eyes of a holy God. It can't meet his standard. There's no other way. That's why Jesus said, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. But there's no other way. So nevertheless, out of love for you and love for me, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that brings to me in focus the logic of the cross. Romans 8, verse 31, 32. If he loved us enough to give us his only begotten son. And when I say give, give to go through that in our behalf. If he loved us, can I ask you a question? Did he love us that much? Is that a past tense thing? Is the cross a done deal? Well, if he loved us enough to give us his only begotten son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Can you say, man, I want you to know you're not serving a tight fisted God and you do not need to pry your needs out of his hands. Can you say, man, there's a scripture about him in the old covenant that talks about his provision for all his creation. And it says, thou openest thine hand, O God, and satisfieth the desire of every living thing. And that's why Jesus said, you don't have to worry and fret and compromise your own soul like the world does. <laughs> Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin. But Solomon 
in all his glory was not clothed as one of these. If God so clothed the lilies of the field, everybody say his hand is open. Hallelujah. How shall he not clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. He's saying the only thing that's limiting him from taking care of you is your faith in his care for you. Can you say, man, <laughs> hallelujah, praise God. Look, look at the birds. They're not fretting. They don't get up in the morning wondering if they're going to find food. They know God has designed this world. When he made them, he made everything they need. Praise God. And if God takes care of them, can't God take care of you? Oh, ye of little faith, can you say, man, hallelujah. God is a caregiver. God is a caretaker. Praise God. And we ought to be people that learn how to cast our cares upon him. So we need to locate him. Where is he in proximity to us? Where two or more of you gather together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Praise God. I'm so glad Jesus went to the cross, endured the shame along with the pain. I think of the beating. I think of the beating with the cat of nine tails that they used. Braided leather, shards of metal or shards of pottery. You know how if you break certain kinds of pots you just touch it it's razor sharp shards so the they didn't just put stripes on him like we think like i used to get when i was late coming home and my grandmother was worried about me i had red stripes on my legs I know, I know, you can't do that no more. I understand that. This was my day, not your day. <laughs> Anybody here ever get a whooping in your whole entire life? My mama didn't my mama didn't play, my grandma didn't play, but there's one person I could run to and that was my Mima. If you had a memo, that was different because <laughs> she whooped, she got her whooping out on her kids. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. You had a memo or a mamma or somebody like that. When I think of what they did to him, when it wrapped around him and they jerked it back and tore literal pieces of flesh from his body. When he said, I can count my ribs. I can see them. The skin around your rib cage is so thin that when that would wrap around, it would wrap all the way around. And when they would yank it back, it would rip flesh. And you could actually see the bone of the rib cage. Prophetic of him and his suffering, it said, my bones stare out of me. My bones stare, his visage marred more than any man's. And what God did offer him through angelic, and this is supernatural and mysterious, but after he conceded totally and committed to go to the cross, no matter what the cost, he said angels came and ministered unto him. By the way, when he prayed, he didn't pray some big authority prayer. 
though he had all authority in heaven and earth. You know how he prayed in Gethsemane? Abba, Father. It's in the scripture in one portion. It's real important. Abba, Father. Aramaic for Dada. Jesus, God in flesh, became just like you and me long enough to understand and be especially gracious toward you and me. He asked Peter to pray with him, and what did Peter do? He fell asleep. For him to even ask Peter to pray with him, for God to ask this vacillating, unstable, quick-to-make-commitments, couldn't walk, follow him through to pray with him. He knew what was coming. So angels ministered to him, and I've pondered that. And I've read biblical statements and theological philosophers and all of that, but I personally believe after all of that, what they gave him wasn't any kind of panacea, nothing, nothing, nothing literal either to help him to endure that, except they supernaturally strengthened him to suffer. Because if he had died under the beating before the sin debt was paid in full on the cross, we would not have salvation. He needed something to strengthen him to endure the suffering until the debt was paid in full. Until the wrath of God was burned out in him so God could be just and a justifier of them who trust in Jesus. He could punish the sin in him, and it followed the pattern, didn't it, of the innocent suffering for the guilty so the guilty could be forgiven. Every lamb that they brought to the temple to be offered as a sacrifice was a type of Jesus, what he would fulfill on the cross. The innocent, everybody say the innocent. Suffering for the guilty so the guilty could be forgiven. I bought a debt I couldn't pay. The songwriter said it was glowing, growing every day, but Jesus paid it all for me. Praise God for what he has done. Hallelujah. God is not aloof in his heaven. God is here with us. Hallelujah. Emmanuel, God with us. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think of the pain of all that he suffered. And after all of that and all of the blood that was shed, Pilate brought him out and he thought they're going to be satisfied short of killing him because I find no fault in him. He brought him out and said, behold the man, look at him now, bloodied, swollen, beaten, faint, barely standing and they cried crucify him we want him dead and we want him to suffer more before he dies behold the man when we saw him prophecy fulfilled Isaiah 53 there's nothing that we should desire him he was repulsive to look at but it didn't satisfy them They had him carry his cross. He was too weak and faint 
without whatever the angels did to give him endurance to not to take away any of the sting and the hurt and the pain. He still couldn't hardly stand up. He, he would have normally died of shock of the beating he endured. But there he was, still alive and breathing. And he tried to carry the cross, and he fell under the load. And I would like to tell you that a man in the crowd had compassion on him, and st- no one wanted to identify with him for fear of the repercussions and the reprisals just being associated with him. That's why Peter said, I never knew him. I never knew him. When he saw him like a lamb for the slaughter, he didn't see him in his power or his glory. He saw him, amen, uh, given into the hands of men as a lamb dumb before his shearers. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't call the armies of heaven. He stood there and allowed them, permitted them, to put him on that cross and to treat him this way. Amen. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. How can we not love him back? How can we not trust him more? If God loved us enough, if Christ loved us enough, hallelujah, to give himself on the cross, how will he not? With him freely give us all things. I do not serve a tight-fisted God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not one sparrow falls. He is so, so absolutely touched by everything that touches any, even the least of his creation. Not one, a, a sparrow is the least of the birds in the marketplace. They're sold for a farthing. And yet not one of them falls. Not one of them lives out his lifetime or something occurs that one sparrow falls without your father. It touches God's heart. Every time I read that scripture, I think of being in our backyard. I had two parrots, mini parrots, and they they both talked a lot. I don't know where they got that from. We didn't even have to teach them to talk. They just... They just heard so much talking. They just started, and they did it at the right time, and that's a whole other thing. I would take them out, and birds are flying around. And I saw it looked like a couple of, 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 of blue jays chasing a young mockingbird, a little young mockingbird. And the mockingbird was flying full out, and they were gaining on it. We've got a big oak tree in the backyard. And that little mockingbird, our little mockingbird, hit a limb of the tree and fell straight to the ground. It probably broke its neck. So I ran over and I scooped it up and I so wanted to help it. I wanted to nurse it back to life. I wanted to give it a break. I wanted to see it grow and thrive and then release it back into the wild. But laying there in my hand, it gasped two times and then it was gone. And my heart was touched by watching that little helpless bird in my hand and knowing there's nothing I can do with my hand to help. But if I could have, I would have. God stood back when Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. (laughs) 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When everybody else forsook it, in Pilate's hall, he said, my father is always with me. I can face anything because my father's with me. But the scripture said, he that knew no sin didn't become a sinner, but became sin in figuratively speaking, that he might suffer in our behalf so justice could be served and God could grant grace and mercy to you and me. That deserves a commitment. That deserves adoration. That deserves, amen, a return love for him. That's why we're told that, that Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2 and 3, it, it says, I beseech you by those mercies, by the mercies displayed at that cross, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, not just because God wills it, God wants it, God demands it, but because he deserves it. Can you say, everybody say, he deserves it. He deserves nothing less than a full blown commitment to follow Christ and he deserves it because we love him not just because we dread him and fear him I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be no more conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God that we might exemplify what his will in heaven is right here upon the earth praise God thy kingdom come Thy will be done, not only on earth, but in earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? So Jesus is saying, I want to move. You have been given authority, but it doesn't begin by believing. It begins by bowing. Our Father, which art in heaven, now I'm going to make my proclamations and I'm going to lay claim to a promise. No, hallowed be thy name. Do you see where it all starts? You have a father in heaven, but he's your father. He's not your old man. You can call him Abba Father just like Jesus did because you have been brought into his royal family and now you are sons and daughters of the living God. Amen. But he is your father. He is not your old man. Can you say man? So you start by worshiping him and bow him before him. And then what's the next breath out of your mouth while you're bowed? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My name is Jimmy. I want all you'll give me. No, that's not the next verse. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we bow and then believe... This kind of authority is going to be manifest because God's in our midst to bring it to pass. So we're going to read the rest of the scripture, I believe, with not just the believer's authority, but God's authority over the believer that gives us authority over the circumstances and the devil and all these things that we need to bind and loose down here. Hallelujah.
Verily, surely, verse 18 of Matthew 18, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in, where is, let's locate him. Where is he? In the midst of them. To stand in the shadows, to not move at all. No, to manifest the will of God when we pray together. When y'all prayed for me, how many years ago that was? I had a diagnosis from a doctor, and it was a serious, serious matter. I hadn't told anyone about it. I didn't tell my wife about it because I didn't want her to be scared for me. I had the peace of God in my heart, but I needed a green prayer. After a men's breakfast, there weren't many of us there, was there? There never was at men's breakfast. Maybe eight to ten people at the most. Amen. Well, eight to ten people, we got down to three. And I asked for prayer from two brothers. And Doug was one of them. And I'm so glad I taught him faith. Amen. I'm so glad that I was sowing into him all these years. I tell you, I get a return on it. Praise God. When people pray in faith, things, mighty things happen. God's here to manifest answers to prayer. God's here to, to back us up in, in what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. What you bind, he backs it up. Can you say amen? He backs it up to the degree if it's in the will of God and the mountain's in the way. He tells you because he's going to back it up. Amen. He tells you if you say to this mountain. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, they thought they needed a mountain of faith to move a mountain. So it wasn't the quantity of faith. It was the quality of it. If it's in God and his absolute authority, his sovereignty, his goodness, his will, his purpose, praise God. Thou can say into this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the midst of the sea. And doubt not in your heart that what you say is going to come to pass, not because you said it, but because he willed it and you have authority to execute his will. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Wow. You couldn't cast out a devil if God didn't back you up. And that mountain wouldn't move if God didn't act on it. It wasn't your faith as some tangible force that moved the mountain. It was your faith in God. God moved the mountain. I see a book called Mountain Moving Faith, and I know what they mean, and I don't mean to be super critical, but if you think you need a mountain of faith to move a mountain, Jesus said a mustard seed can move it worth of faith. And the mustard seed so small, they put it in a concave lens to make a necklace or bracelet so it can be magnified because you can't hardly see it. But when that thing gets in the ground, a tree grows from it. Can you say, man, a tree big enough for the birds of the air to come and nest in? Hallelujah. It's not just an acorn that grows a mighty oak. It's a mustard seed that moves a mountain. Amen. But you've got to locate God. Where is he? 
He said, I'm here, and I'm here for a purpose, and I'm not just here to give you goose pimples or liver shivers. What, what's the context? What you bind, he binds. What you loose, he looses. When you discover his will, you're authorized in his name. Praise God. There are people that think they have personal authority to do what they want done. You do not. Your authority can't exceed the perimeters of his will. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he heareth us, we know that we have the petition. Because if God wills it, and we pray accordingly, he's not going to say no to what he wills. But if I'm not surrendered to his will, I will never truly discover his will. I will want my way instead of his will. And there have been things I have wanted so bad because I thought it would glorify God so good and the door didn't open. And I had to back up and bow down. <laughs> Amen. I say, I say, back up and bow down. If you're not surrendered to his will, I, I, I know there's a hyper faith message out there and it puts you in, it puts you in the driver's seat. It puts you in the driver's seat. I'm going to tell you something. I do not. I'm going on 73, and I've been a pastor for 45 years in county, and I've been walking with God. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to be in the driver's seat. Amen. I don't want to be in the driver's seat. My dog rides in my lap in case the popo pulls me over. <laughs> if they pull me over, I'm going to say he was driving. I do not want to be in the driver's seat. Amen. You know what I want? I want to be in the back seat. And I want God to be the chauffeur. Amen. Have you ever seen a sign that said, God is my co-pilot? Honey, that's not enough. <laughs> Amen. You don't want to be flying that thing. And, and God's sitting over there, you know, I, don't, I sure hope we get there. I hope you know what you're doing. Have you ever flew one of these big things like this before? Have you ever landed at this little airport where we're going? Do you know what happened? If we lose an engine, do you know what to do? Wouldn't that be terrible if God was your co-pilot and you were the one with all the responsibility to get you there safe? I want God to be the pilot. And I don't want to be God's co-pilot. I don't want to be telling him how to fly the plane. I figure he knows what he's doing. I need to relax. In fact, I oh, you didn't hear. I need to relax. I need to relent. I need to acquiesce to him. I need to surrender to him. What's the song say? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. A surrendered will will find the will of God. But an unsurrendered will will seek your way. And then think God's unfaithful because he doesn't give it to you. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Can I tell you what that means in the Hebrew rather than just, I'm going to praise him until he gives me what I want. My son used to do that, Matthew. My oldest son is with the Lord now, Matthew. He's 46 going on 47. Wow, time is flying. 
But I remember when he was about seven or eight years old, we'd go in Kmart near the church in Sulphur Springs, and, and I had to get back to the hardware department, get some something for the commode in the, men, you know, the executive prophet's bathroom. We had our own little personal bathroom. You should have seen it anyway. It's kind of like my parking space behind the church by the dumpster. <laughs> I didn't have to put up, you know, pastor's parking because nobody parked down near the Hillsborough River. People catch them fish, gut them, and throw the fish heads and the guts and everything into our dumpster. 95-degree weather, you did not want to park back there. But I parked back there because I always had a space. <laughs> Nobody even stole my hubcaps. I don't want those hubcaps that bad. Amen. God is good. God is good. Tree limb fell out of the oak tree, crushed the only new car. It was the base model Mercury Cougar. Oh, I love that car. I probably loved it too much. <laughs> The storm came, old tree limb fell, mashed it down all the way, mashed, mashed the whole top down. You couldn't get in, had to have it hauled off, happened to have insurance on it. Needed It was already starting to need a paint job, though, because it was a really cheap paint job on it, even brand new. And, and so I had it, had it insured. They had to cut the top off. It was mashed so bad, and they had to weld a new top on. They had to sand the whole thing and paint it. And when I got it back, it was just like new. Praise God. First thing I did when they told me the limb fell on my car, I thought, my car? Why did the limb fall on my car? I'm here doing the will of God. I'm preaching the word every Sunday. I'm tithing. I'm praying. I'm fasting. And the limb fell on my car. And then I had to back up. Sometimes you've got to back up and press the redo button. Can you say, man, <laughs> hallelujah? And I pressed the redo button, and I said, Lord, I don't know why it fell on my car, but I thank you that I have a car. And on top of that, I thank you that my car is insured. Thanks to Sherry and the insurance company. Praise God. I don't know if it's through y'all or not. Probably wasn't. Probably you're in your good hands with whoever. Amen. But God was good. Listen, when you're in the will of God, bad things still happen. But God says, I will take everything that happens and I will work it to your good. If you love me and here's the will and are called according to my purpose. And the purpose is revealed. That's Romans 8.28. Romans 8.29 is the purpose that we bow to. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. So the way Jesus prayed is the way we should pray. And if somebody tells you, and I may lose people, I've lost people for 45 years, it's nothing new, they're staying away in droves when I tell them they have to surrender. Because there's something in my flesh and yours that doesn't want to surrender. 
It's intrinsic. And that's why Paul said, if you're going, if you're going to walk in the spirit, you got to deal with the flesh. Amen. In fact, you're going to have to put it on a cross. In fact, to follow Jesus, whom he wants you to be like, you're going to have to deny yourself. And I call your flesh your bad self. And that's theologically correct. So you're going to have to deny your bad self. You say, what did you learn today at church? I got to deny my bad self. And don't tell me you don't have a bad self. Somebody knows you knows your bad self. They've seen it before. Amen. Amen. I'm about to see it now. (laughs) If I keep this up. Aren't you glad for an understanding God? That'll help you with your bad self. He told Peter who fell asleep when he called upon him to stand with him. Couldn't you watch with me just one hour? I didn't ask you for an all-night prayer meeting. I asked you for one hour to pray. You stay here. I'm going in there. Pray with me. And he found him sleeping. And he chided him for it. He was wrong. And he said, couldn't you watch with me one hour? But then he gave him mercy and grace and understanding. The spirit, I'm looking past your old flesh. I'm looking past your bad self. And I see the willingness in your spirit. The spirit, your spirit, is indeed willing. But your flesh is weak. Aren't you glad for a God that gets you? And that offers mercy and grace to help you. And so I always put it this way. Don't miss this as we get ready to close. If God sees the willingness in your spirit, he will help you with the weakness of your flesh. Can you say, man, I can do all things, Paul said, through Christ, which strengthens me. Praise God. Amen. Glory to his name today. God in the midst. Verily, I say unto you, what you bind in heaven will be bound on earth and what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. For where two or more of you are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And if two of you on earth, therefore, with this kind of authority, I'm here to back you up. I'm here to back my word up. Can you say amen? If two of you are on earth agree, and it's not just agreeing that there is a need and we all agree that need needs to be met. It's the word harmonious or harmonize. That's why the devil wants to divide us constantly. Husbands and wives, if he can divide you, if divide and conquer has worked so well for him. He's, he don't even need anything new. That'll do it. Husbands and wives that are not in agreement. He said, The scripture teaches that the enemy has an inroad that he could never have if you were in agreement. So he constantly tries to divide. He at church, he tries to divide people. Amen. Cause confusion through that division. Where there's envy and strife. Where there's unforgiveness. 
All of these things allows him inroads. But when we come together and harmonize, we come in unity. Hallelujah. And we agree on earth as touching this thing. It shall be given them. That authority is backed up by God when we pray. It will be given them of my Father which is in heaven. You understand that has to be knowing and surrendering to the will of God. But once we find it, then we, we boldly speak to the mountain. And doubt not that it's going to move because what we have loosed or what we have bound, God from heaven is backing up. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. If you've forgiven anybody, we forgive. Amen. Lest the devil should get an advantage. We're not going to let that. We don't even know what it might have been something they did against us, but we forgive. Quickly, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Amen. C.M. Ward ministered for the Assemblies of God, radio preacher, Booked up for a year. You couldn't get him to come to a big church even. It was a year booked up. Wonderful theologian, wonderful preacher of the gospel, anointed of God, biblically astute, wore out. Flesh is flesh, no matter how theologically trained or spiritually uh, committed we seem to be. Flesh is still flesh. (laughs) So... He got off a plane in somewhere in Texas, maybe the Metroplex. I don't know. I've been to the Metroplex in Dallas. But he got off that, that big airport. And one of those men, they used to call them red caps or one of those men who help you with your baggage and help you get from here to there. He was irritated and he spoke harshly to that guy. Took out his irritation on this underpaid, overworked guy. And... Uh, Went to his hotel room, going to speak in a big church the next morning, next uh, for the morning service. And he said he got down to pray. And I appreciate this surrendered, sweet, humble spirit out of someone that pride could have convinced him that he didn't need to do this. Uh, you could see Jesus in him. Amen. He got down to pray, and he said that. That remembrance come. You know, you didn't show him God. You didn't show him Jesus. You you acted just like you didn't even know the Lord. You acted like any other person that was frustrated and agitated and impatient with him. And he said, Lord, I, I, I repent. I am so sorry about that. And if you will let me preach on credit... If you'll give me grace and mercy to preach, your anointing will still come. Soon as this service is over, I'm going to that airport and find that man and apologize. And he said, he said, he preached, the anointing came, God moved in that service. Soon as it was over, the pastor invited him out to eat. And he said, Pastor, I'd love to, but I have an appointment. Got in his car, fought the traffic, drove to the airport, parked somewhere in the airport, went down there and started looking for a guy, praying that God would help him find the guy. And he saw the guy running with a bag that somebody had left, and he stopped him after he was coming back, and he said, Do you remember me? 
And the guy was so sweet. He said, sir, there's so many people come through this airport. I, I can't even remember. Uh, he, I, he said, you know, yesterday, do you remember me yesterday when I got here yesterday morning? He said, I was cross with you and I, I spoke ill to you. And he said, sir, everybody's cross with me <laughs> in this airport. Everybody speaks ill to me. He said, but you don't understand. And he didn't say, I am C.M. Ward. I'm a great minister with the Assemblies of God. He said, I'm a Christian. And I'm sorry. And I don't, I came here to ask you to forgive me. Now, see, that guy's not used to that kind of stuff. He's used to people being rude. I tell you, some people in ministry that are so high up the ranks, they are rude to anybody in restaurants and airplanes and stewardesses because they put themselves on a level that they're not supposed to be on. And they can't show the world Jesus. They can sing about him. They can talk about him, but they can't demonstrate him. Can you say, man, CM was demonstrating Jesus, being conformed to his image. Hallelujah. And the guy was just overwhelmed that here stands a man in looks like a business suit telling me he's a Christian and telling me to asking me for forgiveness. And he said, sir, I've never had this happen to me in my whole life, especially from a white guy. Amen. Sometimes your race and, and where you are in society's structure all of that can dictate how you're treated. C.M. Ward said he embraced him. They hugged. And he said, I walked away from there and I thank God for letting me preach on credit. Then I thank God for letting me find him. Then I thank God for the relief I felt when I knew that the next time I prayed, there was nothing between me and God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And prayers could be answered. That's called bowing. Not just this strident, cavalier believing that hyper faith teaches. Amen. Bowing. Aren't you glad that there are people that still bow and then believe? And he said, when you do that, there am I. There am I in the midst of them. And what you bind, I'm going to back up from heaven. And what you loose on earth, I'm going to loose from heaven. Praise God. And God, the, when the mountain is in the way of the revealed will of God, we're authorized then to pray after bowing to the will of God, to believe him and say to the mountain, be thou removed. If you have a mustard seed of faith that operates like that and cast into the midst of the sea, and if you doubt not in your heart that what you say, because what you're saying is what he has revealed is his will. Praise God. And you know God's going to back it up. It's a no-so faith. Be thou cast into the midst of the sea. And if you don't doubt that what you say then is going to come to pass, you'll have what you say. Because it's what God has already said from heaven. And you're just now authorized to execute it in earth as it is in heaven. That's spiritual authority. Man comes to Jesus as we close. He's a centurion. That means he in the military has 100 men serving under him. 
He has a servant that he loves as a son. His servant is sick and dying. He comes to where Jesus is teaching and he says to him, this hardened military man that's fought and shed blood in Rome's armies. And he says to them, to Jesus, would he makes his statement, my servant is sick unto death. And Jesus says, I love this. I will come. I'm willing. Not a tight-fisted God. I will come and heal him. And listen to the response, the humility, the grace. He said, I'm a centurion. He didn't say there's blood on my hands, but he fought in Rome's armies. He said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But I have men under me. He, he began to, he understood how authority works. Listen to it. Some people go to a faith meeting, believers convention. They go to a, a believer's authority. They go to spiritual armor and they come out strident and cavalier in their faith and they lose their humility and their Christ likeness. And they're rude. To people. Self-exalting. Self-willed. He said, I have a hundred men under me. I tell them to go. And they go, oh no. He starts with this. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to back up. I'm a man under authority. That's how I was given this authority. Anyone here ever been in the military at all? Any association or someone who has? If you can't take orders, believe me, you will never be authorized to give orders. The way to the top is submitting to authority. And those that have submitted to authority are going to be given authority. Can you say man? It doesn't start with claiming your authority. It starts with earning it by submitting. Can you say, man, and surrendering? Does this put all this in context a little bit better? Hallelujah. I'm a man under authority. I tell men to go and they go. I tell them to come and they come. You don't have to come, therefore, to my house. All you have to do is speak the word. Hallelujah. And you know what Jesus said? I haven't found faith like this. No, not in all of Israel. Faith that's based on an understanding of his authority and not just Christ's authority. And how did he have such authority? He said, the works are not mine. I'm not working. I have all this power. Am I working arbitrarily? No, the works are not mine, but what I see my father do. And the words are not mine, but what I hear my father say. In the volume of the book it is written, I came to do my thing. Does, that what, does it say thing in there? Oh, I'm sorry. I came to do my thing. 
No, it doesn't say that, does it? No, it says in the volume of the book, it is written, I came to do thy will, O God. Hallelujah. That's why he had such authority. Amen. He humbled himself. And God wants you to humble yourself and me to humble my bad self. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and was obedient even unto the death of the cross. Let this same mind be in you that was in Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Therefore, God, Oh, I'm almost done. I feel like I'm just starting. God hath highly exalted him. Under authority, given authority. Say it with me. Under authority, given authority. Woo! God hath highly exalted him. Somebody say how high. And given him a name, which is above every name, I'm glad you ask, above every name that is named of things in heaven, of things in earth, and beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name, every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. Did God just give him authority or did he humble himself and commit himself to not my will, but thy will be done? Hallelujah. And it's this humility that's missing in the strident cavalier brand of faith. People swaggering, talking about all the money they have told the angels to bring them. I told the angels to go get me money. Saw on YouTube two prominent pastors in a church, one on television, the other just got a big church. And I saw them ask people, there's steps going up to the platform. Ask people, you know, there's not enough coffers to put the money in, so just put it on the steps. And people run and put the money until... Dollar bills, no change, didn't want to slip and fall. All dollar bills all over the steps going up. And the two preachers running up and down in the dollar bills to put the blessing on it. And it's the most terrible representation of this king and this kingdom. Oh, yeah, the Maserati's in the parking lot. Oh, yeah, the mansion's in the gated community. But that that doesn't represent this king. I'm not talking about poverty. I'm not talking about God not meeting your need. I'm talking about gauging what is important and valued by the gauge that the world is using. And when the world sees us getting what they're after, they'll want what we got. They can't buy peace with all the money in the world. They can't buy joy with all the money in the world. They can't purchase forgiveness at any price. There's only one price, one that can bring forgiveness. And that is the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without spot and without blemish. Hallelujah. And then they had the audience chant, God, bring me money. 
After you put it out, God, bring me money. So the whole audience is hollering and screaming, God, bring me money. Bring me money. Listen, if you lay up the gold of Ophir as the stones of a brook, you say, you know, without God's blessing, all of this precious gold is no more valuable than the stones of a brook. You'll have plenty of silver. God said, if I can trust you to get your value system right, I can trust you with some material thing. Because it won't lead you to become like the world. It won't make you proud and haughty and cavalier and self-willed. If you're going to be conformed to the image of my son, you've got to get your mind right. Anybody's, I'm not advocating the movie, but I saw it in an edited version because he was in Tampa where he got in trouble. Anybody see Cool Hand Luke? Too sanctified for Kuhan Luke? Never heard of it? Years ago, and probably televised with editing. Don't go watch it. Stay sanctified. Not worth it. Going to use an analogy. What we have here iconic line if you're ever in a quiz show remember it what we have here is a failure to communicate that's why they put him in the sweat box and left him in there for days you know what we've got in the christian community we've got a failure to communicate what the bible says that god wants for his children above everything else for whom he did foreknow he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. So we're talking about this mind. Here's some more of that mind that needs to get right. Is it First Peter 4? For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. First piece of armor is not your shield. It's not your sword. It's the mind of Christ to use those with biblical authority. Are you hearing me? For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, not my will but thine be done. Amen? Arm yourself with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh, everybody say crucified the flesh with the lust thereof, has ceased from sin. <laughs> that don't mean you're sinlessly perfect, but that means sin doesn't any longer reign in your body. Can, that, you, that you are obligated because it rules you. No, you're not. You're going to find times when, when it raises its head. When it does, you need to put it back down and confess your faults to one another and confess your sins before the Lord and go on and serve him and follow him. Hallelujah. Arm yourself with the same mind for he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to what? But to the will of God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before you ask him for your daily bread, before you thank him, before you do anything else, you acquiesce to his will and you honor him. And then the mountain is in the way of what he's revealed to you that he wants you to purpose for you to do and accomplish. And what do you do? You say, Father, I know, I know, I know, I know that you are going to act on this. So I'm going to say unto this mountain, be thou removed. I'm binding on earth what you bound in heaven. And I'm loosing on earth what you've loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. And I believe that what I'm saying right now will come to pass because you said it first.